This film is Lit, the podcast where we finally settle the score on one simple question. Is the book really better than the movie? I'm Brian. I have a film degree, so I watch the movie, but don't read the book. And I'm Katie. I have an English degree, so I do things the right way and read the book before we watch the movie. Look, some of us are lazy, all right? If by lazy you mean wrong. Prepare to be wowed by our expertise and charm as we dissect all of your favorite film adaptations and decide whether the silver screen or the written word did it better. So turn it up, settle in, and get ready for spoilers. Because guess what? This film is lit. Harry's third year at Hogwarts. He's taking electives, playing Quidditch, and learning about his convicted murderer of a godfather. It's Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, and this film is lit. Hello and welcome back to the 29th episode of This Film is Lit. We're on to the third installment of Harry Potter in our marathon series as we cover all of the books in Harry Potter. It's The Prisoner of Azkaban. We just got done watching it. Uh, we have some muggle questions. We have better in the book, better in the movie. The movie nailed it. General discussion. Then we're going to pick whether the book or the movie is better. So far, it's 2-0 in favor of the <laughs> books. I don't see that changing anytime soon. But we're back. Also, I wanted to mention we're back on our other older mics for this one we should be back to the other better mics next time but this one episode i think we're gonna be we're gonna be on these let's get into our first segment muggle questions muggle non-magic folk we're gonna break the muggle questions up like we have been or like we did on last episode where we're gonna do like three at a time and uh, do some and then go into the segment so that way we just don't spend all of it all of the muggle questions right off the bat so let's start with trevor's first question Brian, Katie, my friends, thank you again for having me on this Film is Lit, Harry Potter edition. Before I get into my muggle questions, my disclaimer, I may ask a question that'll be answered later on in the movies and or books, in which case, just tell me to wait. I'll be patient. That's fine. Second, I may ask a very dumb question, because I'm not as hardcore of a Harry Potter fan as probably your listeners are, in which case, tell me that was a dumb question and put me in my place. More than likely, I deserved it. My first question for the Prisoner of Azkaban. Why did Harry say he wanted to go to the Leaky Cauldron? Like, of all the places, why that? So, why did Harry want to go to the Leaky Cauldron when he called the night bus? What was that about? Well, in the book, he just says Diagon Alley. <laughs> yes, because it's a magic place that yeah. he knows. Like, And his... His ill-formed plan is to go and get all of his money out of Gringotts yes. so that he has some funds to start his life as an outcast. Yes, because in the in the book, obviously, we get Harry's thoughts and yeah. what he's kind of thinking in this moment after he, uh, he blows up Aunt Marge and he goes, he goes, yeah, I'll go get my money and then I'll get all, go be on the lamb. But he's got to go <laughs> to Diagon Alley to get his money, so yeah. that's kind of what he's thinking, which is why... He's, yeah, like you said, he says Diagon Alley, but the Leaky Cauldron is where you get into the Diagon Alley. So that would be the reason why he heads for the Leaky Cauldron. I'm not sure if it just went over my head or what, but why did the Minister of Magic not punish Harry for using magic outside of school? 
Because Fudge is a weak and effective leader. True. That's not the reason he doesn't punish him. The reason he doesn't punish him, because uh, he does actually in the movie also say, uh, Harry's like, why didn't you, why aren't you punishing me? I was using magic, which we'll talk about that. Yeah. The, the, but... the rules of the when you can and can't use magic seem to be up in the air here. What um, for students outside of school? They but seem a little fuzzy. A little at best. fuzzy, and uh, yeah. But uh, Harry's like, "Why are you not punishing me?" And he goes, "Ah, oh, we don't punish. You know, we don't send you to Azkaban for blowing up your aunt or whatever." Or and but the implication from the book and in the movie is that uh, they're mainly worried about Harry being safe. Yeah, because uh, Black is after him, and so that was like their main concern is they didn't know where Harry was after he left his parents or after he left the Dursleys, mm-hmm. uh, and so they're just happy he's safe and they're not worried about punching him. They're just like, well, you're Black didn't murder you. We're all good. It also creates a moment of contrast for a later book. Yes, yes. I don't know. Remember exactly what you're talking about, <laughs> but I'll take your word for it. Is it me, or did it seem like the Dementor, like, targeted Harry on the train? Why did the Dementor attack Harry and not anybody else? The reason that I always took, and it's similar in the book, it doesn't really, I mean, in the movie you see it specifically turn to Harry and, like, yeah, and it's not really necessarily what happens in the book from the description, it just kind of is there mm-hmm. in the room and it just affects Harry more than the others. Uh, the, 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 the reason we kind of came up with from thinking on it is that, and we think this is mentioned somewhere in one of the books, maybe, maybe this one, but that, uh, they can sort of sense since they feed on positive emotions and they feed on, well, they feed on like trauma, they they suck out the positive emotions or something like that. It's kind of specifically, they like pull out all your positive emotions. Yeah. Um, and so you're just left with like their traumatic bad stuff. And that since Harry has a lot worse traumatic bad stuff than the other people that were there at the time, uh, it sort of zeroes in on him, focuses on him because it senses that there's a lot of a lot to work a with lot there. to work with there. So. <laughs> that would be why it focuses on Harry. It's also why they explain later why it affects Harry so much is yeah. because of his his trauma. Uh, this is how Lupin explains it to him. There's also I saw a fun uh, fan theory on Reddit today that one of the other reasons it affects him so much is that. Because he, for spoilers for later books, he has, since he has part of Voldemort's soul in him, it's mm. also affecting Voldemort. Interesting. And that, and when you think about it, that same moment is also Voldemort's like greatest trauma because it's when he died, essentially. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And if it's funny, if you think about it, that you're actually watching that event through the eyes of Voldemort, usually. When Harry's reliving it, and that mm-hmm. we're actually seeing Voldemort. When Harry gets those memories of it, it's not actually his memory of it. It's Voldemort's memory of that event. Yeah, we because do see we it see it through, it his through eyes. the from the perspective of Voldemort. Yeah, and so it's not actually Harry's memory. Harry was like a a toddler, not even a toddler. Harry He's was like, like a yeah. six month old baby or whatever. Yeah. Um. So I thought that was interesting. Mm-hmm. Kind of neat. All right, let's move on to better in the book. You like to read? Yes, I love to read. What do you like to read? Everything. Like, basically all of my better in the book notes are complaints about various choices that the movie made. Yeah, I have a lot of similar uh, similar ones. I So just real quick before we get into the, the nitpicky specific stuff. I overall, I, I think it's been a long time since I've seen this movie. 
I overall very much enjoyed it. I thought it was mm-hmm. a lot better. I think it's a, and it's definitely, I think it is a better film than the first two. Part of that, I think the story is just a more interesting, mm-hmm. um, unique story than the first two books. Yeah, no, I agree. And it, I think it just works better for a film than the first. Not that the first two are bad by any stretch. I love them both, but I think this one so far is the best film, mm-hmm. uh, and, and and makes the most sense on its own. And sort of, um, it also has it helps that it has a, a very distinct visual style and mm-hmm. feel and look and uh, the way it was shot. Um, a lot of the stuff we talked about in the prequel episode. About what Curran decided to do with it. And also, I really liked the way... And I didn't like this originally when I first watched it because I loved the first two so much as when I was younger. I really loved the the changes they made to Hogwarts and the grounds. Yes. And putting it in... Because they went up and shot this all in Scotland and it's all, like, you know, hilly and cool. Like, I really liked what they did with Hogwarts in this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, it made it feel a lot more real and, mm-hmm. like, old. Yeah, yeah. Than the, the first yeah. ones. I do, th- I do think this one is it's a good film. It's not a beat for beat adaptation. No, like no, the not first like two are. none of them from here on out. Right. We're done with that now. That was the first two. <laughs> and I, I had forgotten how much they changed yeah. from book to movie for this one. And I think the movie does a good job of kind of a lot of cuts got made, and I think the movie yeah. did a good job of like cobbling the pieces back together. Yeah, I, so that we got an understandable story still. But there are some big things that they cut, and again, yeah. we're, this is the theatrical version, as far as we know. Um, so there may be deleted scenes that include some of this other stuff, but there's some pretty big cuts that are like specifically one we'll get to towards the end. Uh, that's like, why would you not include? That's really important. But mm-hmm. we'll, we'll we'll get there. So what was it? What was the, let's let's just kind of start breaking it down. Um, th- we talked about it though. Outside of school, who can use magic and who can't is very clear in the book. Mm-hmm. Students not not supposed to use magic. Not supposed to use magic during the summer outside school. Uh, in the in in this one, they say that. In the movie, they say that, but yeah. then also Harry is doing Lumos. Yeah, he's doing under his Lumos sheets. at the beginning, and it's such a strange choice because it's literally a plot point of the beginning of the yeah. movie that he wasn't supposed to be using magic, but they have him doing that. Yeah, and now, yeah, it's. I thought that was very strange. I'm like, did you get confused there? Or what was going on? I thought that was really interesting because yeah, they're like, you can't because he says that uh, Fudge says it, uh, Durs, uh, Vernon says it once. Yeah, and but yeah, he's just doing Lumos up in his room, and that's fine. But then he blows up his aunt, and that's an issue. It's just it was very strange. <laughs> Maybe they were like some in the universe. There's some sort of exception for schoolwork. Maybe because he is like looking at a, a book, you know, like a yeah, he's a like textbook. looking at a textbook. So I, don't I don't know. know. Maybe he's supposed to be practicing something. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know either. But yeah, it's a little fuzzy in the movies and confusing in a way that it's not in the book. It's mm-hmm. pretty clear. Other than my nitpick about like, they can't seem to tell who's doing the magic in the book universe because he gets in trouble when Dobby does it. Right. And it's like, so how, if you live in a house with adult wizards, can they use magic? Can you use you magic? You think and then, so. Yeah, you would think if you're living with a bunch of other wizards, like some adult wizards who aren't in school. The kids could do it. And yeah, they could just do They would never they know if it was them or the parents. So I... That's a little fuzzy, but the rules actually make sense and are enforced in the book. Um, the phone call with Ron isn't in the movie. Yeah. I love that that gag. Uh, Ron tries to call Harry. Harry gives Ron his phone number at the end of the last school year, and Ron tries to call and ends up screaming <laughs> into the receiver, and there's a really funny exchange between uh, Uncle Vernon and 
Ron. Yeah. It's very comical and I would have liked to see. Oh, one other little thing that the movie doesn't include that I thought was interesting and cool in the book is that Sirius Black is on Muggle News. Yeah. And they had an opportunity to do it here because they're watching TV with Marge. Would have been really easy mm-hmm. to have a news report about mm-hmm. him on the TV, but there is several times where it's mentioned that Black is it's being that the, the non wizarding world is being told about Black. Yes, uh, because the Ministry of Magic works with the Muggle uh, government basically to kind of keep them in the loop on stuff mm-hmm. like when super important you know dangerous criminals are out <laughs> running around, and I thought that was cool. Like I, that's a cool idea that they that that information gets shared and that you know it just makes it feel more real. Yeah, that, like, and, and that's tell. our our first um, inkling throughout the series that they would share stuff. Yeah, with, with the Muggle community, yeah. and we we see that um, more later. More later, yeah. And I thought that was I th- I'm just surprised that wasn't like I said they had a prime opportunity when they're sitting around there with the TV on. Yeah, to just have a yeah, news totally. thing. It doesn't even have to focus on it. It could just pop up, and the second time you watch the movie, you notice, oh, that was black on Sirius on the news. Like you know, mm-hmm. like but it was just a little yeah. Disappointed they didn't do that. Um, all right, yeah, we're out. let's get to the night bus because that's where I'm at here now. Okay, I've never liked the shrunken head. I'm not I'm a fan of the shrunken not head. Not a fan at all. Well, I actually have the night bus overall in a later segment, uh, but I don't like the shrunken head. I'm not a big fan of them of that. Mm-hmm. It just it's just unnecessary. But whatever. Um, the the main thing I don't like about that they don't do with the night bus that is in the book that I, I'm a big fan of that I like is that the description of when the night bus like drives all over the curb and stuff, the the items on the street and like like street lamps and mm-hmm. like mailboxes jump out of the way of the night bus. Yeah, which is a it doesn't really make sense, but it's I don't know it's a fun <laughs> visual and I thought that would have been fun to have like them when he mounts up on the curb and like. Yeah, like mailboxes and stuff Mm -hmm. are like magically jumping out of the way. Again, I'm not sure it really makes sense, but one thing, one one little line that makes me laugh every time I read the book, and I was disappointed it wasn't in there. Once he gets to the leaky cauldron, he has a room. He ends up staying at the leaky cauldron for like two weeks. Mm -hmm. Um, And at one point, when he after he finds out about Black and that Black is potentially after him or whatever, uh, there's a line where he's sitting in his room and he says, uh. I, he says out loud to himself to kind of reassure himself. He goes, I am not going to be murdered. And it's established earlier that there's a talking mirror in this room <laughs> that, like, will talk to you in his in his room he's staying in. And he says, I'm not going to be murdered. And the mirror says, that's the spirit, dear. <laughs> and it just always makes me laugh <laughs> because I, it's just so, like, oh, I wasn't expecting the mirror to respond to him. And it just. It, there was another little line in the book that made me laugh out loud, too, that I had forgotten about. When he goes to Flourish and Blots, they have the, the, all the monster book of monsters yeah. in like oh, a big yeah. cage. And the, the shopkeep says something to the effect of like, this is worse than the time we bought the, in- we had the invisible book of invisibility. Yeah. We Ordered spent a fortune. Cop and we never found them. never found them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's good. I missed that they, well, and they kind of do set this up a little bit because we see the horseless carriages once they get to school mm-hmm. uh, and we see the horseless carriages but I was a little disappointed I guess there's not really they they showed all they could I guess at this point in the book it's mentioned specifically he, Harry says oh though because this is the first time he's ridden in the horseless carriages mm-hmm. because the first years take the first years take the boat across the lake and then uh, the second year they flew in the car so they didn't get there in time right. to take the carriage but 
this eventually sets up. There's it kind of teases in the third book here towards the Thestrals eventually, um, because the it's we actually find out they're not horseless carriages. They are being car- drawn by invisible, essentially invis- invisible yeah, uh, creatures, demon horse that things. Most people can't. Most people see. can't see. Um, and. I think the movies, if I remember correctly, abandon the Thestrals like entirely. I don't think they even. I could be wrong about this. It's been a long time since I've seen the later ones, but I'm thinking we might not Maybe. ever even get the Thestrals. I think they might be in the fifth movie, but don't, Do they show up? don't quote yeah. me on that. <laughs> well, man, I'll be surprised or interested to see uh, yeah. uh, in going forward. But so there's a little bit of a kind of a setup, just like a little world building setup for the the Thestrals. Eventually, when he kind of mentions the. Horseless carriages. And we do see them in the movie, mm-hmm. but... Uh, I missed Sir Cadigan. Oh, yeah. In the movie, Sir Cadigan is... He's in the movie. Mm-hmm. He's in the background. Yeah. You see him several times. At least I assume that's probably supposed to be him. Uh, Sir Cadigan is a knight who... Uh, they they Helps them find divination on their first day, but also eventually starts guarding their... He's a, a portrait. A portrait. He's a portrait uh, of, of a, a knight. knight. Yeah. And after... after uh, the fat lady gets sliced, slashed with a knife. He takes over to guard the, mm-hmm. and he's he's crazy. crazy. He's but he's like really silly. He's cuckoo and, for cocoa puffs, and he just has great lines. And I wanted just like one of those interactions of him. Uh, you know, yeah, the, the back and forth he has with them is always really entertaining. Yeah, he really commits to like the night uh, dialect and aesthetic and all that. Yeah, like when they're looking for the tower uh, for divination the first day, they, they they come up to him and they're like, we're looking for the North Tower. You don't know the way, do you? A quest! The knight's rage seemed to vanish, in- vanish instantly. He clanked to his feet and shouted, come follow me, dear friends, and we shall find our goal or, shall, or else shall perish bravely in the charge. <laughs> oh, on foot then, good sirs and gentle lady, on, on! Like it's, I just wanted that yeah. at some point. Like just a quick, but again, you do see him in the background. Mm-hmm. Numerous times, sort of a knight. I assume again. I assume it's him, um, but yeah, we don't we don't get any lines with him. Um, one thing that I've never really liked about this movie is I don't even know like how to describe it, but like when the Dementors come and they're like being Dementors, and it like there's a an effect where it looks like they're like. Pulling, pulling your face, your like, face off. Yeah, it's like they're like sucking your soul, kind of. Yeah, slightly. I mean, I get what it's supposed to symbolize. I just think it looks dumb. I actually kind of like it. I think it looks all right. I, I don't, I, I don't think it's necessary. I, I think, but I think they felt they needed some way to sort of visualize it affecting people. Yeah, and no, I get I, it. I don't think it's terrible looking. I think it looks all right, but that's. I mean, that's a very subjective thing. If you don't like yeah. it, that's, that's fair. Uh, in the movie, uh, so in the book. When they're tackling the Boggart, it's described that when it Lupin confronts it, it turns into a glowing orb. But we don't yeah. get like a very uh, detailed description. They say like there was a it was a glowing orb. Yeah, and and you're like what? Okay, in the movie, it is very clearly the moon. Very clearly, like the moon. very it's clearly the moon. There's like clouds it. and stuff around it, and it's a little. <laughs> I get why probably they changed it for the sake of. Making it a little more obvious so people could hopefully figure it out. Because, I yeah. mean, the book gives you some hints, but it would be really tough to figure it out from just reading the book. Mm-hmm. Like, unless you kind of knew, unless there was more allusions to, like, 
it being a full moon when he's sick or something like or when he's not there yeah um but yeah i i I was a little disappointed that they just changed it to straight up just be a moon like that's just a moon yeah okay yeah and i think there's a a line in the book where somebody says like i wonder why he's afraid of crystal balls yeah yeah they do yeah uh they this is a kind of a mixture of better in the it's not, I don't know, it's, I not understand why they changed it, but I think it makes sense in the book that they learn about Animagi and Transfiguration from an Animagus, because yeah. Professor McGonagall is an Animagus, and she's the one who teaches them about it. Yeah. They slam that together with the werewolf lesson that Snape gives, which does happen in the book, mm-hmm. where he gives a lesson about werewolves, hoping one of the students will figure out that Lupin's a werewolf, but... They kind of cram that together with the Animagus part mm-hmm. and don't have it with Professor McGonagall, which I get it. I get you gotta it. Trim and it, it and it's, cut and and fit it's not a in. terrible no, change. No, it, it makes sense. It's just it makes a lot more sense for <laughs> Professor McGonagall to teach him about it. And, yeah. and it's actually the time we see this is the first time in this book where the students see her turn into a cat. Mm-hmm. Because that happens in the first movie, like their first day of Transfiguration, she jumps off the desk. Mm-hmm. As a cat, and, turn, and that uh, supposedly, like, they all freak out—not freak out, but they're like blown away when she does it in this book. So it's like the first time they've seen her do it, apparently. Hmm. Also, in that scene with Snape, Snape says, "Oh, he calls Hermione an insufferable know-it-all." Yeah. In that scene, which I'm pretty sure he also does in the book, or he says something similar. He does, yeah. I don't remember. The but exact. the movie. Has Ron say he's got a point, you know? Oh, yeah, but no, and Ron I defends And I hate them. that. Yeah. Ron always defends Hermione. That's yeah. a constant throughout the books, especially to Snape. He always comes to her defense. Yeah. And I hate that the movie did that. It is weird to make that change, because, yeah, it's... He wouldn't... He wouldn't... I mean, he has his own issues with her, which they drop, which is a thing yeah. that's disappointing, which I have here at some point. But, yeah, when it comes to other people, he he always always defends her. Yeah, he does say five more points from Gryffindor for being an insufferable know-it-all. Oh, and yeah, because Ron defends her. Ron says, you asked us a question and she knows the answer. Why'd you ask if you didn't want to be told? Yeah, that's a dumb change. Yeah. I agree. Um, Having him kind of side with Snape there doesn't make any sense. Uh, uh, They drop all the Quidditch. Yeah, or most of the Quidditch. Except for the first match, which is technically the most important one story-wise. Right. Where he falls off the broom. But uh, they cut, there's a whole season's worth of Quidditch. It's the first time we get all of the Quidditch games. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they actually, Gryffindor ends up winning the Quidditch Cup. And it's a very interesting, you know, they lose the first game. And then there's all this different stuff goes on, um, enabling them to ultimately win in the final game. But one of the weird changes is during the first game, which we, they do include, Harry actually sees Black Sirius Black watching him play Quidditch. He mm-hmm. sees the dog in the stand somewhere. Yeah. Whereas in the movie, they change it to him just seeing a, a cloud, cloud a shaped cloud like shape. a dog, and that doesn't really make any sense. Yeah. Because it, it doesn't. It looks cool. It looks cool. I mean, I get, it makes sense in the in the idea of him like being uh, paranoid about it and seeing the grim and that sort of thing. Like it's fine yeah. in that regard. But yeah. It's it's very specifically. He sees Sirius there because Sirius came to watch him play because mm-hmm. he wanted to see, you know, he wanted mm-hmm. to see him. Uh, and so I, I thought that was weird to not have him just see the dog. Again, I guess it's more visually like, whoa, but it just doesn't yeah. really make a lot of sense. So uh, we get multiple Hogsmeade visits in the book. Mm-hmm. I understand why they kind of combined that all into one. Yeah, the, it all got kind of crushed into one. Like there, there are multiple visits in the movie, but... All of the events that happen the one time we see them go, mm-hmm. 
happen over the course of like several different visits. Like yeah. the, the yeah, encounter yeah. at the Shrieking Shack with Malfoy and that is like one visit. And then the thing where he finds out about Sirius Black is like a different one. Mm-hmm. Um, and they just kind of smush it all together, which again, I get why you got a lot of stuff to get through. Um, right. And, and and again, it's not a terrible no. choice. It's It's a good way to... Like I said, like kind of cobble those different events together, yeah. but also they had him steal Neville's lollipop. Yeah, and I have never understood. Like Harry wouldn't do that. No, come on now. No, and he's not dumb enough to just let it float around in yeah, midair right. as he's walking down the street. <laughs> A floating lollipop. Look at that. So this is weird, and this doesn't make any sense. When Harry finds out about in the movie, Harry finds out about uh, Black betraying his parents and mm-hmm. getting them killed. The movie, they say that Pete Pettigrew went and tried to warn the Potters, but that Black got to him first, and that's when he killed him. Yeah, that doesn't make but that sense. But that order of events makes no sense, yeah. because Black switched with him. Black went and confronted Pettigrew after the Potters died, right. because he realized because Pettigrew he was, sold him yeah, out. He was the only one who knew that they yeah. had made Pettigrew their secret keeper at the last second. Yeah. That's, Everybody they also, else thought it was black. Yeah, they also dropped this whole secret keeper yeah. thing in the movie. They don't mention what that is. So in the movie, they just sort of like, only a few people knew where the Potters were. It was a secret. And Black was one of the people who knew where they were. That's not how what goes down in the book. In the mm-hmm. book, it is specifically a spell that they do. And I, I can't remember the exact name of it. But... Um, that where a person is selected as a secret keeper, and that person was going to be Sirius Black, who was going to be the only person who knew where the Potters were. Right. And that when that they did this spell, that literally, they, I think the the example they give in the book, he says Voldemort could put the, his face to their living room window and wouldn't know they were there. Right. As long as, as the long secret as, keeper doesn't squeal. As long as the secret keeper doesn't, yes, give up the secret. And Black was like, you know, they... Um, the idea was that Black would never give up their secret. Uh, and I still think it's a little weird of him to have decided to switch to Pettigrew. Yeah. His reasoning is, well, they wouldn't suspect that it would be Peter Pettigrew and they'd come after me. And now I can't remember if in later books uh, Sirius comes to terms with – talks about that in, the, in, in a way where he reflects on it and thinks like maybe he was – cowardly or like maybe he Uh was afraid or scared and Mm -hmm. that's why he switched it to Pettigrew I don't remember if that ever comes up because it does seem like a weird choice to make yeah if the whole point of the spell is that unless you give it up like unless you spill the secret it Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter if they know that you have like I mean yeah there's a chance they could come after him and kill him but like the whole point is that he was brave enough and and right you know honorable enough that he wouldn't care or that that he would keep that secret to his death. And so I wonder if there's an element of him sort of coming to terms with the fact that maybe he was scared. Like, mm-hmm. dude, I don't remember I in don't the later re- books if that's an element that, that yeah. gets discussed or not. Because it kind of seems like it would have to be. Like, yeah. why would he have done that otherwise? I mean, the reason he gives is, oh, they would never suspect Peter Pettigrew. But it's, it's like, okay, but even if they suspect you, it doesn't matter. Like, right. unless you're scared of them coming after right. you. Right. <laughs> So here's the thing that I want to know about the secret keeper spell. Could Sirius and James not have been each other's secret keepers? <laughs> Make like an infinite loop. An infinite loop of secret keepers. <laughs> yeah. So you're no, that's an interesting. So he's secret keeper of their location. James yeah. is secret keeper of his location. Boom. Done. No one will ever no find, one will ever any find of either them. of them. 
<laughs> you found a you found it. You found a hole in the system. Uh I I don't like love that they dropped the whole rift between Ron and Hermione. Yeah. Um in the book uh, it's very obvious that, or it looks very obvious that Crookshanks absolutely ate Scabbers, and Scabbers does disappear, and they kind mm-hmm. of mention this, and there's a, a slight tiff for a while, or for a scene where Ron's Yeah, there's mad like one scene where they're fighting about it. Yeah, um, and but they don't even go through the lengths that the book, like, we there's yeah. like blood on the sheets, and like, it seems very obvious that Crookshanks ate Yep. Pettigrew once again fakes his own fakes death. Fakes his own death. And um, leaves behind some evidence. Yeah. And and the fight between Ron and Hermione in the book is very drawn out. Like, they yeah. don't speak it happens to for each like other months. for a, it, a it good portion like, of the book. Yeah, there's a good portion of the book where they, like, don't talk. And this happens throughout multiple books where there are rifts between mm-hmm. Ron and, and Harry. Or, or Harry and her. I don't know if Harry and Hermione ever really have a falling out. Other than, like, I the first book, maybe. I don't like, think they do. Yeah. But, like, Ron and her, Harry and, and Ron and Hermione. Yeah. And, and that sort of thing. <laughs> it happens numerous times. And I, it just always felt really realistic and... And, you know, like, they're not just always perfect friends. Uh, they have things that, you know, cause mm-hmm. issues between them. And mm-hmm. I was a little disappointed that they didn't... They, they have it. It's there. It's just not... And it's hard to have that same feeling of this rift for months when it's a movie and you can't... Right. ...really express it in the same way. But I wish they had the Christmas dinner with oh, 12 people. Yes. <laughs> in the book, there's a scene... Uh, there's a great scene in the book where there's so few people stayed for Christmas break that they literally are, like, sitting at one table in the Great Hall. It's, like, <laughs> Dumbledore and Snape and McGonagall and, like, uh, Flitwick and then, like, six students or yeah. something like that. Uh, it's, like, Harry, Ron, Hermione, and, like, a few others. And it was just a fun scene. And there's also a great banter between uh, McGonagall and Trelawney, uh-huh. which I love that McGonagall just doesn't get like fucking has her and Hermione having no time <laughs> for divination is one of my favorite things in this book. Um, but they have a great spat during the during that Christmas dinner. I'll be honest, I never liked the look of the werewolf. Uh, it's all right. And this, I... It... Yeah, it's, yeah, it's not my favorite werewolf. It's, yeah. it's very... Like, grotesque. Yeah, it's very, um, like, it almost looks alien. Yeah. When, uh, so I'm getting to the final climax here. Some things that I think the book, uh, does better is I like that, uh, or some little things. When, uh, Buckbeak supposedly gets executed, I like that you they hear Hagrid, like, sobbing. Mm-hmm. And they don't, and so it just helps sell the idea that they killed Buckbeak. Mm-hmm. Turns out he was like sobbing with joy basically yeah. Yeah, yeah, but I, I have a little a little thing like that um i don't love the actual whomping willow action scene in the movie oh my when, God. when hermione grabs his she shirt grabs the thing and is getting slings swung, him around yeah and then grabs harry and throws it i'm not i'm not a she fan must of that be very strong i'm not a fan of that i think it's a little dumb in the book it's just uh crookshanks shows up yeah and which they kind of cut crookshanks out from that whole end which crookshanks is sort of an important character mm-hmm. um for all everything that goes on in that final act, mm-hmm. uh, and they kind of cut it Crookshanks out completely. But well, they probably couldn't make the cat do what they that's wanted fair, it to do. That's fair. I guess they didn't want to CG a cat in. But the cat <laughs> comes up and knows how to. There's a knot on the tree mm-hmm. that you touch. Yeah, that it, it stops the, whole the tree thing from freezes. Moving. And uh, Crookshanks does that so they can get in, and then uh, uh, 
Peter Pettigrew used to do it as a mouse when mm-hmm. they were kids, which that's a whole thing we'll get to here in a second. Well, as long as we're in the climax, I have also never liked that a little ball of light comes out of Sirius's mouth. Too. Yeah, that's strange. I don't know what that is. No, I know it's his soul. Like, that's right. the idea it's is a that visual aid. It's the visual of them doing the kiss, but they're not doing the kiss. They're yeah. just flying around, and some reason that makes his soul come out. It's. I don't love it. I don't. I guess I get what they were going for of like to, to rise, raise the stakes and like, oh, look, he's so close. This is, he's good. To do, they're going to suck his soul out. Uh, but yeah, it doesn't really make a lot of sense. Or they could have done what they did in the book where one of them grabs Harry and pulls his hood back and you see yeah. it's Yeah, why didn't they do that? Face. Oh, yeah. I, holy cow, I forgot about that. That is way better. Because in the book, yeah, yeah, they grab, one of them grabs Harry and is about mm-hmm. to kiss him and you see their face and it's terrifying and gross. And then they get, uh, they all get kicked. The reason they all get kicked out of Hogwarts at the end of the book is because one of them tried to fucking kill an innocent yeah, kid. Yeah. And they're like, Dumbledore's like, ah, get the fuck out of here. Um, whereas in the movie, there's no real reason for them not to still be there. Yeah. Um, because Black is still at large, you know, and they, mm-hmm. nothing has really changed. But yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, you'd get to see them without their hood on, which is described it in vivid terrifying nature of them <laughs> having like sunken gray skin where their yeah. eyes should be they don't have eyes and they just have a hole in there Ugh. yeah i'm surprised they didn't do that that's that's weird in the movie harry chokes Sirius black when he gets into the shrieking shack but in the book he like goes out and starts beating the shit out of him mm-hmm. which i thought was interesting like harry like literally is like punching the shit out of him and stuff and like gives him a black eye mm-hmm. uh whereas the movie they do a little bit of it like he runs up and like grabs him but then it kind of quickly dissipates and i just thought that was i don't know potentially felt more real in the book that he like actively just like starts beating the shit out of him uh really disappointed that they cut floating snape body (laughs) so after snape gets knocked out he and this is I like, too, in the in the book that when Snape... So when Snape shows up in the Shrieking Shack at the end, which happens the same in the movie, uh, he shows up, and at this point, uh, Ron and... Or Harry, Ron, and Hermione are starting to get slightly con- convinced by mm-hmm. the story mm-hmm. that they're being told about uh, Pettigrew and stuff. And in the book, they all three expelliarmus him at the same right, time. which is why it throws Which is why it back. throws him against the wall and knocks him unconscious. It's not just Harry. Yeah. Um, which I thought was fun, or thought was cool, because they weren't, no, you know, they all three sort of just did it at the same moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, so in order to get Snape out, as they're going back up to the school, they they levitate his body vertically, like a, like a, just sta- like a marionette, like, like a marionette puppet. And they float the- him down the hallway <laughs> and they like bang his head into all the doorways <laughs> as they go. And I really was hoping you would see that in the movie. Cause that, yeah, that would have been fun, but they cut that out completely. Yeah. Although I also like the implication that they just fucking left, just him, left there. him there. Yeah. They just leave him in the shrieking shack. Cause that makes sense too. I'm like, yeah. fuck you. Like, fine, you know where you're at. You can find your way back. I'm not going to carry you there. Oh, okay. Some big changes in the movie that don't make sense. <sighs> with the end with the the climax with the patronus on the on the water. So in the book it is vividly described that a stag erupts mm-hmm. from the wand. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, when Harry from Harry's perspective the first time when he's on the side of the beach with Sirius and he's like, you know, passing out, he just sees a glowing he thinks it looks like a unicorn. He can't really tell what it is. Yeah. But a glowing uh, hoof, four-legged hoofed animal running around and, like, charging down the Dementors. Mm-hmm. 
And I'm like, that's fucking cool. And then when Harry casts it eventually, like he when he when they loop the time and he comes back and realizes it was him on the other side of the lake doing mm-hmm. it and not his dad, he casts the spell and it the stag bursts out and it char- like literally is described as charging down the Dementors and like, you know, just chasing them off, basically. Yeah. yeah. And it's really disappointing that in the movie it's just well, one, they do two different things. Which don't make sense. When Harry watches it from the... Fr- I, this was very strange, and I don't remember this being the case. Mm-hmm. When I, but So, uh, it's really weird. When Harry sees it from the beach, as when he's sitting there with Sirius the first time, we see a stag. Yes. Standing on the other side of the thing. Yes. It stands there, and light radiates from it, and it scares away the Dementors. Yeah, like like giant waves, waves of, of like light. white light. Which, I was like, nah, alright. Yeah, at least there's a stag there, but that's boring. Yeah. Like, because again, in the book, this thing chases them down and like chases them off. And we yeah. see more of this in later movies, I think. Like when they start, I don't know. Well, I can't remember. I know when they start doing Patronuses in later movies that we might see it might be more like what I thought mm-hmm. it should look like. Um, but but at least there's, the stag was there. Then when Harry loops around and he realizes it's him and he walks out in the movie, when he casts it, it just shoots waves of light out. Yeah, we don't see the stag We don't see at the all. stag at all. Which is really weird. It's really weird because we saw it earlier. Yeah. And now it's not there. It was very confusing and I didn't get it and I and it's also just dumb. Like it <laughs> I here's what it is. Here's what I think is that they wanted the moment The reason this happens is because or the reason they changed it so that instead of a stag barreling around and, and chasing down the Dementors, one, that would probably be a lot harder to animate right. than it is just to have waves of light coming out yeah. and scare them. But I don't think that, at this point, the movies make enough money and they have talented enough, you know, I don't think that's, like, a really big deciding factor. I think what they wanted, though, is they wanted that moment of Harry holding the wand yes. and the light on him where his hairs go, you know, like, in the later movies, <laughs> like, when he... What they wanted was the the, the end of the fourth one, uh, the fourth book, where he shoots the Expelliarmus mm-hmm. and they hit and they're, like, pushing back and forth and all the people yeah. are coming out like that moment where you're like he's like ah screaming you know and like this big powerful climax moment because otherwise it's like harry casts it and then he stands there on the beach and watches, while, watches it you know what i mean it's not <laughs> yeah. so like i get yeah. what they were going for but it's so much less cool than than the actual stag coming out and chasing dementors down. no i agree and i think regardless of whatever kind of change you're gonna make you have to be consistent yeah, within your yeah, own just story. make it consistent. That was the weird, the weirdest thing that I was like, wait, they did it differently both yeah. times. That's really weird. Why would they do that? Because yeah, we saw the stag the first time, and now all right, whatever. Speaking of the stag, holy shit, they don't remotely explain the Mooney Wormtail Padfoot prongs no. or the Marauders map at all no, in the movie. They do not at all. That's like huge gaping plot holes. Yeah, that they just don't remotely try to round up. Yeah. So if you were unaware, if you've just watched the movie, uh, Mooney, Wormtail, Padfoot, and Prongs are the nicknames of James, Sirius, Pettigrew, and Remus when they were in school because they became Animagi. And they don't, they don't go through any of this backstory. Because Lupin was a werewolf. He used to go to the Shrieking Shack uh, mm-hmm. and hang out there when he was a werewolf. And it was the first time he ever got to go to school because Dumbledore made this exception where he could come and hang out in the Shrieking Shack whenever he was a werewolf for a month. And that way he wouldn't hurt anybody. And then he could actually go to school. Uh, and Remus became friends with uh, James Potter, uh, Sirius Black, and Peter Pettigrew. And in order, they they found out that he was a werewolf and they decided to learn to be Animagi. 
in order to, like, hang out with him while he was a werewolf. Yes. And, like, keep him in line. Like, James turns into a giant deer with, you know, huge antlers. And uh, um, Sirius Black turns a into a giant dog. black dog. And then Pettigrew specifically turned into a mouse. Rat. A rat, specifically so that he could turn the Whomping Willow off, pretty much. <laughs> like, that was what they said. Like, he was small enough that he could get up there without getting hit by the tree to stop the he Whomping Willow. hit the off button. I was like, oh, what a- <laughs> I think he might have had a little... I understand why he turned on you guys. You're like, all right, you can turn into a little, little rat and go turn the tree off. And we're going to turn into giant badass animals and run around with a werewolf. You just turn the tree off. Like, maybe you guys weren't the best friends. I don't know. Um, <laughs> they never explain that. They never explain that... The movie never explains that it was... So we see the, the Marauder's map says Mooney Wormtail Pad from Front Prongs. Mm-hmm. But we never explain that, oh, they wrote that map. Yeah. That it was... Harry's dad and and Remus and Sirius and them that wrote the Marauders yeah. map. That's not explained at all. <laughs> it's just very right. I, unless I missed a line where Remus was like, "I wrote." I don't think so. And, yeah, and like I said at the beginning, I do think that the movie did a pretty good job of cobbling yeah. things. That was together. one of the biggest ones was just leaving that out. But I, my biggest issue with this adaptation overall, I think is that there was stuff like that left out and there was stuff that got like really crushed together like everything that happened at the Dursleys yeah at the beginning of the movie just like got crushed and crammed together and so much of it got cut which i understand yeah. but then also there's a lot of stuff in this movie that's like world building slash aesthetic that while cool doesn't really serve any purpose. Like, the fat lady singing and breaking the glass. Or, like, the boys trying all the different candies that make them make animal sounds. I didn't mind that scene, at least in the sense that I thought it did a good job, the animal candy scene. I thought it did a really good job of, because the end of that chapter, when Harry gets there, there's a line about how he finally feels like he's home or something yeah. like that at the end of that chapter when he when he he goes into his dorm and is crashes out and i thought that was a good way to kind of show that mm-hmm. without having harry just go wow i'm like look wistfully around the room you know what i mean i, I thought it was fine but yeah they do add some yeah, more stuff I, that's I not in the my, books my point is that they're adding stuff or then there's like a 30 second scene where a bird flies around and gets hit by that's the, the whomping willow yeah. and i'm like why what why are we adding like this stuff yeah and then cutting things that are actually relevant to the story that's my biggest issue with this as an adaptation that's fair I, I don't think that I, I so the bird thing I like we're, we're, we we get that with the whomping willow for the season changes to kind of help us realize where we are in the year yeah like we see you know the, the different seasons as we go and also reminding us about the whomping willow from the last movie and that because that ends up playing an important part again yeah so I, I, I mean I get yeah. it but the bird like flies all over the grounds right. first right fair enough uh, a couple other things that uh was that uh, the book has that I was missing from the movie is uh, because they cut all the other Quidditch, the Malfoy dressed as a Dementor and <laughs> yes. Harry shoots a Patronus at him in yeah. the book and scares the shit out of him, which is fun uh, and would have been fun to see in the movie, but that we don't get any of the other Quidditch mm-hmm. games, so we don't get that. Uh, a McNair, the Executioner, and in, in the movie, uh, the Executioner that comes for Buckbeak is just a nameless guy in yeah, the hood with just, a giant axe. Just some guy. He is a named he's character. Really in the, into his job. Yeah, and, and he's a named character in the book, and his name's McNair, and it's important 
because we eventually find out later that he's a Death Eater. Yeah. And he ends up showing up in later books that then they fight against him as a Death Eater later. Mm -hmm. So uh, we get a really important line, a little tidbit for the uh, fifth book in the third book here that is not in the movie. After the, which they kind of, they do, they realize that Professor Trelawney making that prediction was like important Mm -hmm. where she like goes into a trance and like, makes a prediction but we don't ever come back to that or readdress it in the movie Mm -hmm. in the book harry mentions that to dumbledore after everything's sort of resolved he's like oh the other uh professor trelawney like i think she like went into a trance and told me all this stuff and he explains it and dumbledore's like yeah that's probably was real he goes if that's that if that's correct then professor trelawney will have made her second correct prediction yeah and that's a very important line It says, he says, like, I laughed out loud at it, actually, because... Because he goes, maybe I should give her a raise or something like like that. perhaps I should give her a raise. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I love that just nobody takes it serious, divination seriously. It's my favorite. Hermione going off on it, and she goes off on it more even in the book than she does in the movie. Uh, Like, when she quits the class and stuff, she's just, like, openly mocking it, and I I love it. It's so fun. But, yeah, the second accurate prediction is we... And and that's a setup that we have no idea what that means Mm -hmm. at this point with, you know, in book three, we're like, well, what was her first accurate? What? What was that? Uh, As we find out, we'll find out later, it has to do with the prophecy, which we get in book five. Yes. uh, When they get into the... uh, Department of Secrets? What was it called? Mysteries? The Minish the Department of Department of Mysteries, I think it was. Yeah. Maybe. It's in the ministry, but it's like yeah. one of the depart wow, it's been a long time since I've read that one. <laughs> or watched that movie. So yeah, but anyways, I thought that it's it, then they don't mention that at all in the movie. And then uh also they don't show Ron's new owl. No. Ron gets a new owl at the end of this book. He gets is a pig pigwidgeon? Teeny little puffball. Serious Sirius sends Harry a letter while they're on the the Hogwarts Express, and uh, it's yeah, it's a little tiny owl that comes with it, and then he just says, "Hey, Ron can have that since it's my fault he doesn't have a rat anymore," <laughs> <laughs> which is fun. <laughs> that would have been a better ending than this freeze frame, yeah. woohoo, firebolt ending that we got. But one way the book is better is that it doesn't end with a freeze it frame. End with the freeze frame. I remember in theaters going, "Oh, all right." <laughs> Yeah. Like when it freeze frames on Harry's face as he flies past the camera. Like, that there we was go. a choice. That was definitely a choice. Let's go back and do a few more muggle questions. Do Dementors only guard Azkaban? Is that their only goal in life is to be a guard of a prison? Do they have other dreams? Other hopes? Do they do anything else besides guard a prison? The Dementors, they just guard, is, is all they do exist to guard Azkaban? As far as we know? The I would have to read the Fantastic Beasts for this. I think yeah. they're probably mentioned in there. If I had to guess, my understanding is that they these uh, Dementors are creatures that uh, the Ministry or that Wizards found in the world somewhere mm-hmm. and realized they could basically employ them as prison guards. Yeah, because as long as they they throw people in the prison for the dementors to suck the soul out of the dementors are all cool and happy and just hang out there and it's also a very effective way to keep people from getting out of prison because you just it's it's also incredibly inhumane and yeah. somebody needs to address somebody needs to get I, hermione needs to get on this and be like what was this ass command things this we shouldn't be doing this this this, this isn't a good thing to do <laughs> it's really not a good thing 
Um, but yeah, so yeah, they pretty much just guard Asban. But the idea is that there are some sort of creatures that were out in the world somewhere that probably did their own thing. Right. And then we sort of struck up a loose pact with them. Yeah. And now there is eventually, they come into play with Voldemort's return and he ends up basically stealing them. Mm-hmm. There's a, there's moments in later books where it becomes clear that the Dementors have like left Azkaban. Yeah. And they go to don't work. have any kind of allegiance. No, no. And yeah, and, and basically, uh, like they work for whoever can Voldemort, offer the most warm bodies. Yeah, and Voldemort goes, "I'm gonna set you loose on every. You can go out and just yeah. suck the souls out of everybody you see." So yeah, that that comes out in later things, but uh, in later books. But they pretty much right now just hanging out at Azkaban because they get free food. Was anybody else concerned about playing Quidditch in a thunderstorm? Children flying through the clouds, thunder and lightning happening. Nobody. Uh, I did have concerns about playing Quidditch in a thunderstorm. Uh, apparently, they just, they're, it's like, uh, it's an all weather sport. It's an all weather sport. They don't stop for any uh, inclement weather. If it's raining or whatever, they don't care. Uh, I, I will say that flying around in the thunderstorm is a terrible idea. Yeah. As one of the kids Seems gets, like one of the kids gets struck by lightning in this movie, <laughs> <laughs> which doesn't happen in the book. But, uh, yeah, it's a terrible idea, but, they're wizards. I guess they're like they're mad. Their medicine's good enough that like even if yeah. somebody gets struck by lightning, they're fine. I guess I don't. You know, <laughs> somebody will just fix them. But it's definitely not the safest of things. The expecto patronum spell charm. I can't remember now exactly what it was called. Uh, do you need a boggart to practice with that? Do you need anything to practice with? Like, can't you just practice like they practice anything else? Or do you need the stimulus to make it happen? So practicing expecto patronum, do you need a bogger, a boggart, uh, or can you just do it? So in the book, this is mentioned. Harry practices it the first time before they open the chest, and actually does create a small, yeah, like a little bit of a wisp of a patronus yeah. uh, without a, the dementor there to mm-hmm. like uh, come at him. Uh, but I, I think the idea is just that. Being able to do it in the presence of a Dementor is much harder. We actually see it in book five. Uh, In movie five, we see them making uh, Patronuses, like, during the uh, Dumbledore's army stuff. They're, like, practicing Patronuses, and Mm -hmm. we see them, like, shooting them out all over the place with no Dementors around. So it's I think it's easier to do, actually, if there aren't Dementors around. The idea is that being able to do it with a Dementor around is way harder. That's when you want to be able to do it. So you would want to practice it at some point. Yeah. With an approximation of a Dementor, at least. Yeah, and this is the thing that I always thought was very interesting about the Boggart. So I guess the idea is that it literally does turn into a Dementor. Because otherwise, why would a Patronus work on it? Yeah. Because we find out the way you stop Boggarts are by using Ridiculous. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And uh, and turning them silly and then laughing at them and blah, whatever. Um, and laughing, laughter finishes them off or whatever. But I think the thing that I thought was interesting is like, so, but the Patronus does work against the Dementor Boggart. And it's like, why would it? Well, it's that too. And the, de- the, the Boggart Dementor also affects Harry. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, that's what I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah sorry, yeah, and the Boggart Dementor drains Harry and, like, sucks, yeah, yeah, which I thought was weird, I'm like, so, like, it actually becomes a Dementor? I mean, unless it's supposed to be some kind of, like, psychosomatic power of suggestion thing. 
Yeah. But I it, just remember thinking that was very strange. Yeah. Like it's, it's like, so I guess it's when it, when it becomes the moon, it doesn't actually become the moon and affect the gravitational forces on earth <laughs> like in a, in a crazy way whenever Lupin has it hit him. But yeah, but yeah, you don't need to have to have a bogger. You can practice your Patronus without it, but he just wants to do it with the bogger so that it's. Because you have to be able yeah. to do it under those conditions, so you. Might I mean, as well I, it's something akin to practicing driving actually on a road. Yeah, as right. To like like in you a can, lot. yeah, you can start out in a parking lot, but eventually you're gonna want to go out on the road. Yeah. All right. Uh, there was a few more Muggle questions. Let's go to better in the movie. My life has taught me one lesson, Hugo, and not the one I thought it would. Happy endings only happen in the movies. I actually have quite a few things for this. Um, I don't know how many you I have. I only have a few things. Okay. Uh, we drop the rehash. The book gives us another rehash of, of yeah. back background on Harry and Hogwarts and everything. And I was like, again, really? When do we stop doing this in the books? Uh, the movie obviously gets rid of that, which is, for me, always good because it's, it's unnecessary. Uh, I think it was fun in the movie that Marge floats away completely. Yes. Into, into the sky. Yeah. Because in the book, she just blows up and is floating against the ceiling, essentially. Yeah, the movie really escalates it. Yeah. And Although I think it does create more of a problem yes. for the ministry having to erase more people's memories, yeah. but yeah. it is more fun. It is more fun. Uh, it's a little bit, yeah, sillier that he's not in trouble for that because she could have got hit by a plane or <laughs> like floated <laughs> into the sun. Whereas when it's just her bouncing around the ceiling, it's like whatever, though, you know, it's fine. Oof, or a helicopter. Yikes. Yeah. <laughs> I also love while she floats away, there's a great moment where Dudley is just sitting and, and watching TV still. Yeah. Just completely unaffected. And there's like three TVs in the shot. I just <laughs> thought that was a good little... Because it's a thing, uh, the kind of the characterization we always get of Dudley, and, and we don't get as much of time with the Dursleys in the movies. And mm-hmm. so I thought that one little moment was a good... Kind of helped encapsulate and really cement what Dudley's character is. I like that they make the Dementors fly. In the book, yeah. they are never described as they glide. They like yeah, float. They, they like float a couple inches off the ground, yeah, but they, but they can't don't actually fly. fly. Um, or at least it doesn't seem they can fly. And I like it's scarier when yeah. they're flying yeah, around. Yeah, yeah. It looks really cool when they fly around, and it kind of just makes sense. I mean, if they can float, mm-hmm. sure they can fly. Like I, I just think it kind of makes sense and looks really neat. So I actually really don't mind them being able to fly in the movie. Um, I liked that. The movie has Mr. Weasley just tell Harry about Sirius Black instead of the book kind of goes through this like rigmarole of like having Harry overhear them and then then Mr. Weasley comes to tell him. Yeah, and then Harry's like, no, it's cool because now you're not breaking your promise. I already know. Yeah. But the. The movie just has Mr. Weasley yeah. tell him, which I think, think he would. I, I think he would, yeah. yeah. I think it's, I mean, it, it cuts out all of that rigmarole, like, like I said. Um, and I, yeah, it's in his character. He would tell him. He would tell Harry, yeah. Uh, I thought it was a fun gag uh, when they go to meet Buckbeak. Uh, and there's a bunch more hippogriffs in the book. There's mm-hmm. like six of them, and Buckbeak's just one of them. Yeah. Um, I don't mind it's just him. It's fine. But uh, I like that there's just a fun gag in the movie where when Hagrid asks for volunteers and everybody steps back. Yeah. And, and you notice Neville drops out of frame. He like, <laughs> he like, kneel, he like, he just like whoop, dips down out of the shot. And it's very funny. And Harry just doesn't realize, and then he's the only one forward. Oh, mm-hmm. That was a fun gag. In the book, Harry just. With some coaxing, basically volunteers. Yeah, uh, but yeah. I, I thought it was a fun, uh, a fun little gag. And uh, I also liked in that scene 
that Hagrid just like scoops him up and puts him yeah. on Buckbeak's back. Yeah. Like yeah. he doesn't really have a choice. No, nope. Hagrid's just like up you go. Yeah. I also don't hate in that scene that there's, uh, and they set it up in the last movie, and I don't hate it overall throughout doing this more, which they don't do in the books, is setting up the romantic tension between Ron and Hermione. Mm -hmm. It doesn't really, I know some people might not like it, it doesn't really bother me that there's these little moments. It feels Mm -hmm. realistic, and it feels uh, sort of natural, and I think they did it just a little, you know, like one little moment here. Like where he, she grabs his hand or whatever for a second. And it's like, uh, there's the little moment at the end where they kind of awkward hugging each other. And yeah. just little stuff like that throughout that I thought it does a good job sort of leading up the build up to their mm-hmm. eventual relationship. So I, I, I kind of like adding that stuff. I also like that during the Buckbeak scene that I didn't remember liking. I remember not liking this when I first saw it. But I don't mind that he flies all over Hogwarts on Buckbeak. It's mm-hmm. cool. It's fun. You get to see Hogwarts and you get to see all the different, you know, the new locations that they have and stuff and flying over the lake. Uh, It looks pretty good. And I like in the book, he just flies around the paddock like above their heads like a few times and lands, which is fine. But I just just thought it was more interesting. And and like I said, it was cool to get to see since they did sort of expand the Mm -hmm. setting of Hogwarts a lot to kind of fly around and see it all was kind of cool. Yeah. And in the the book, Harry does not like flying on Buckbeak. No. And I, I... I actually, I think I do like that he kind of enjoys it, ends up enjoying yeah, it. Yeah, it's apprehensive. It's and kind then, of an inconsequential change, yeah. and it, it adds a nice like note of positivity. Yeah, I think. Yeah, and it also just I feel like he would. Yeah, he's at first he's like, oh, I don't, I'm not sure I like this. I prefer a broom. But then eventually, as he gets used to it, he kind of you know, mm-hmm. he would get used to it, and, and it's not like he's scared of heights or flying or speed. You know. Yeah. I liked the ice as a visual yeah, warning for to the, the Dementors, because that's yeah. not in the book. No, it gets cold. Yeah, like, they talk feels about it cold, feeling but cold, but I, I like Things don't freeze. Yeah, I liked that kind of visualness that the movie brought to it. Yeah, it's creepy, and it's it's, it's slow, where everything just sort of slowly starts, cre- and you, it, the yeah. sounds of the ice, like, creaking, and, you know, it's, it's cool, and it's very um, atmospheric, and I thought it was a good idea to kind of announce their arrival. Um, I also like that when Harry's practicing making a Patronus, his ultimately, they change what his happiest memory is mm-hmm. into something completely not in the book. In the book, it's he does the whole, oh, the first time I was flying, and then, then, and then eventually I think he settles on um, when he found out he was a wizard, right? I think so, yeah. I think that's what he ultimately settles on. In the movie, they change it to... He says, I have this memory of my parents just talking to me. Yeah. And he goes, I don't even know if it's a real memory. Mm-hmm. Which I thought was an important thing to say because I was like, well, he wouldn't have a memory of his parents. Probably wouldn't have a memory of his yeah. parents talking to him because he was like a three-month-old baby yeah. when they died. But he, I like that he says, I don't even know if it's a real memory. It's just them there and it's just my parents. And I, I thought that was a really good – it just adds a little more – Part to yes. that that moment, and that his happiest memory yeah, has to do with his family and his parents, and it just adds it just adds more sadness too, and that yeah, you know, more because he's kind lost of a them. Bittersweet. Yeah, I just thought that was a, a pretty smart change. A really big change that I thought was really clever in the movie, and I probably wouldn't have liked the first time, is I like that Harry sees Peter Pettigrew on the map. I have a note about that too because. I thought that was such a good yes. ad yes. that I actually forgot that was not in the book. I did the same thing until I, I was rereading yeah. it. Yeah, when, when he gives, when Lupin ends up getting the map, 
I I finished that scene and then I was like, wait a minute, why didn't he mention? Why didn't he mention it? Where was that? And I was like flipping back, yeah. like trying to find it. Like, did I miss the part where he sees Pettigrew on the map? But it's not in the it's book. It's not in the book. So in the movie, there's a moment where he sees Peter Pettigrew and he kind of remembers like that the they had mentioned Peter Pettigrew died. And he's like, wait, what? Yeah. And he goes to investigate and he's walking down the hall and he doesn't see anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and I knew that wasn't in the book, but yeah, and he and he goes and he doesn't see anything and it's ultimately it's because it's Scabbers is you know right. he's a rat and he's running around the yeah. floor. And I thought that was a really clever scene. Yeah. Like, it's really clever. It's a good ad. It gives us a little more, like, it adds a little bit more breadcrumbs to the mystery mm-hmm. and, and helps, also helps make sense that Lupin figures it out a lot yeah. more, a lot more quickly, because now he's like, wait, you saw Peter on... So now he's looking for it. He's looking for it, yeah. And it also helps explain why in the Shrieking Shack at the end, Harry is so quick to be like, okay, I'll hear out this story. Yeah. Because he's seen he's Pettigrew seen on Peter the Pettigrew map. on the map and he's like, Well, that was weird. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I thought that was a, a brilliant addition that I'm surprised it wasn't in the wasn't in the book. I bet that's one of those ones that JK Rowling was like, that that was yeah. really good. <laughs> I like that Hermione punches Malfoy and doesn't slap him. Mm-hmm. That's way better. She just punches him square in the nose. In the book she slaps him. Which is fine. Both good. Both good. But a punch is more satisfying. Punch is way more satisfying. Just very, very happy they made her puncher. I like. I really like that they add more of the time loop stuff. Yes. The little details. Yeah. Uh, so in the and the, they do the same thing where they loop the time. They you know she uses the time turner in the book uh, and goes back and the only but the only real thing that like happens is Harry seeing himself do mm-hmm. the Dementor or do the Patronus and thinking it's his dad and then realizing, oh, it was me that did that and then him doing it. Yeah. They add a lot more of that in the movie and I really like that. I just like that type of stuff. It's very satisfying and fun yeah. to me. I, yeah, I thought they made the time travel scene way more interesting because the, in the book, actually, a lot of it is like them sitting around yeah, and like watching like them for out. themselves. Yeah. Because they're waiting for like an hour and a half while they're like in the shrieking track and stuff. Yeah. But I like I like that like when Hermione throws the rocks mm-hmm. to like warn them that the people are coming and we mm-hmm. don't because it's fun too. The first time you're watching it, you're like, what was that? Like when you the first time you're watching the movie and you if you don't know what is gonna happen, mm-hmm. you're like, what 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 was that rock? Like you're like super. I just love when that's all clinks into place. It's like oh that's that's so cool like that. And then her calling the wolf and it mm-hmm, running out yeah. and all those little things that that loop back. I, I always love that kind of stuff. And so I was yeah. glad they added. More and I also that. I also like that Buckbeak saved them from werewolf yeah from the werewolf werewolf looping yeah. My last note I have, oh, I have for I have some more but better, go for it. better in the movie. I like that when they get back to. When Dumbledore's closing the doors. Oh, yeah. And they get back, and yeah. they're like, we did it. And he just says, did, did what? what? <laughs> and walks away, yeah. That was good. I like that. <laughs> I don't love everything about this Dumbledore, uh, about uh, Michael Gambon's Dumbledore, uh, but I, he has his moments. Yeah. He's, just, he's a lot more up and down, and I just, he's, you know, he's just hashtag not my Dumbledore. But it, um, yeah, he, he, has, he has his moments, and that, that was a good one. Uh, so a couple other little ones I have. I really like the time loop effect. The time turner effect when they go when they go back and everything backs up around them uh-huh. in the movie, and the other thing I really like about it is that in the book when they do that, they she turns the time turner and they end up in the hall. Like yeah, they they're start in a different. Place. They're in a different place, which makes no sense. That makes zero sense. So that, like it transports them through space as well as time in the book, and yeah. that makes no sense. I like that they just are still in the exact same place that they were just 
yeah. back in time. That makes a lot more sense. And I never understood in the book why when they do that, they end up randomly in the Great Hall or yeah. like the entrance hall yeah. after they do the time turner in the Although, hospital. I'm like, wait, what? I did have the thought that they should have like gone in a closet or something yeah. before they did it. Because I'm like, you don't know who was in here yeah. at three o'clock or Yeah, whatever. you don't want to be standing in the middle of a hospital <laughs> and just like, what? And somebody's just there, like, Madame Pomfrey's just there, like, what are you, what? <laughs> what? Where'd you come from? Um, I also love, did you notice there was a constant ticking in the movie? Mm-hmm. Once they do the time turner, the background, there's a constant, like, Yeah. I thought that was cool. I liked that. It added to the tension and also was just reminded you, like, that we're traveling through time here. Um, I like that they switch serious to being locked in the tower instead of being in a classroom because mm-hmm. I was thinking about this as I was reading the book this time. I was like, how in the world? This doesn't make any pra- – physically, practically makes no sense. How in the world if they're going to take Buckbeak up to a window and have him – fly in place next to it in a position <laughs> that Sirius can get out of the window onto Buckbeak. It's a good question. Because Buckbeak has like a 10-foot wingspan. Yeah. If he's hovering next to the window, his he's going to be... His body, where they're riding, is going to be... In order for him to keep flapping maybe, his wings, he would have to be like 10 feet from the window. Maybe he backs his butt up or maybe, to the window. That's what I was wondering. Did he back up to the... Because that would be impressive, but <laughs> I'm not sure if that's what they were going for. I don't know. I, I just thought it made more sense for them just to go up to a tower and grab him. Because then I didn't have to figure out how to make it look like he's hovering next to a window and Sirius climbing out and getting on. They drop Snape from the end of the hospital scene, which I think makes a lot of sense. At the mm-hmm. end, Snape barges in after Sirius escapes and is like, they had something to do with this, blah, 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 blah. Like, he's all outraged. Yeah. And it doesn't make a lot of sense to me because, for one thing, Hermione, somebody, Dumbledore, somebody says... Unless you know a way where they could be in two places at once, they're right here. How could they have gotten it? Had anything to do with uh, Sirius getting away? I'm like, well, Snape's a teacher, and he knows that Hermione has a time turner. Yeah. I mean, presumably he does. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like, he would have to. She says in the book that all the teachers know. Like, McGonagall had to write a bunch of letters and do all kinds of stuff. and, And so I was like, he knows about the time turner, but he doesn't say anything, but he but he's mad about it. But he's it. mad about it. But but is he mad? Because we also know, you know, ultimately he's like a double agent type yeah. thing. But like, st- but he still has his own motivations, and he is ma- he wouldn't be mad if they got expelled. I, I was like, ah, I don't know. Like it's just <laughs> it's, it's just not having him involved at all at the end just cleans all that up. And I was like, I didn't have to think about it. And I was like, that's smart. And one little little thing that the movie did that I thought was brilliant, and I don't know if it was on purpose or if it was just a happy accident, but there's this little moment where. Uh, because Snape isn't unconscious, mm-hmm. when he comes, uh, when the when Lupin turns into a werewolf, Snape runs out and he confronts Harry, Ron, and Hermione. Mm-hmm. And he's like, hey, we gotta go, you're in trouble, whatever. And then he whips around and sees the werewolf, or sees Lupin. In that split second, if you watch, when you're watching, you see, he sees the werewolf and he goes, whoa! And he puts his arms out yeah. and, and, like, protects them. Yeah. And it's it's a little brief moment. It's, it's a but it's a little tell. Yes, it's a little tell into his actual sort of motivations and what's going on with him is that despite the fact that he fucking hates these kids, like he yeah. actively does despise them deep down, he does care and wants to protect them. Uh, and it's a little thing, just the way he puts his arms out. I was like, ooh, ooh, <laughs> <laughs> ooh, <laughs> I see you. Um, all right, so yeah, that was all I had for Better in the Movie. Uh, let's do our last three muggle questions and then go on to the movie Nailed It. Is there something special about the chocolate that Lupin keeps feeding Harry? We get it. It helps. No, it's just chocolate. 
nothing special about it. It's just chocolate, and it makes you feel better. That's kind of the joke of it. Chocolate is the best medicine. Yeah, that's basically kind of the joke of it. I mean, and and the whole idea behind it being that because the Dementors sort of suck joy and happiness Mm -hmm. out of you, that the, the cure for that is just eating a little bit of chocolate. Yeah. Like bringing that warmth and happiness back into you. Is there a backstory in the book on the dudes who are carrying heads on horseback? What's their story? Is there a backstory on the dudes on horseback carrying heads? The answer to that is yes. And I knew they showed up in a movie. (laughs) I knew they showed up in one of the movies. Uh, That's the Headless Hunt, I would assume. from uh, Chamber of Secrets. Chamber of Secrets, which we talked about in the last episode. Uh, Harry goes to the death day party from Nearly Headless Nick. And Nick's very disappointed that he can't get into the Headless Hunt, which is a group of ghosts that uh, all have had their heads cut off. So it's a group of criminals is yes. what it is. Yeah, it's essentially, yeah, it's a bunch of criminals. Uh, but they've all had their heads <laughs> cut off and they, they run around and do... They do head head, head stuff. They juggle their heads yeah. and play head, uh, head, head polo and stuff. And... Yeah. Um, and so that was a callback to that is mm-hmm. what that was. That was a couple members of the Headless Hunt. Although normally they're not at Hogwarts. Yeah. They're like doing their yeah. own thing. They kind of only came to Hogwarts in the second book because of Nick's party. Mm-hmm. But oh, whatever. That's what that was. I think I know the answer, but just to clarify, Lupin, Dumbledore, everyone was convinced that Sirius Black killed Peter Pettigrew. Even though they had been friends, they maybe knew his character, everyone was convinced he killed Peter Pettigrew. Yes? And yeah, everybody was convinced that Sirius killed Pettigrew because, and it's not made super clear. Well, it's because they kind of changed the setup for the whole yes. secret keeper thing. In the book, it's very clear. Everybody thought that everybody knew about the secret keeper thing. Well, I say everybody. Everybody that was involved and knew the whole story with the Potters and everything and them hiding from Voldemort knew that Sirius was the secret keeper. So he was the only person in the movie or in the movie they're like a very few people knew where they, that's not how it was in the book. Only yeah. Sirius was supposedly knew where they were. Yeah. Um and was their secret keeper and nobody knew that he switched it to Pettigrew. Yeah. Uh secretly before and so they all just everybody's under the impression that he played out how we saw it play out where that uh Black turned you know Sold the Potters out, and then uh, when Pettigrew came to confront him afterwards, he killed Pettigrew. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of just what they all assume, uh, and and that's what everybody believes. But it turns out that's not not the case. Yeah. Thank you, Brian and Katie. Appreciate you guys having me back on this film is lit. I actually have a new podcast, my radio show, the KCMQ Morning Shag with Shags and Trevor, now has a podcast. You can hear our best bits from every week. It's called the KCMQ Morning Shag Best of Podcast. You can get it now at kcmq.com or wherever you download your podcasts. Pettigrew faked his own death, made it look like serious, blew him up. Yep. Which you know isn't funny, is, or not funny, but I was like, we in the fourth book, we get this whole big thing about the unforgivable curses. Mm-hmm. So like, there's the three, uh, Imperio, Crucio, and Avada Kedavra. Mm-hmm. And Avada Kedavra is the killing curse. It's the curse you use to kill somebody. Yeah. And it's this big thing. It's unforgivable. If you ever use it on somebody, you go to jail or you go to Azkaban for the rest of your life or whatever. But the thing that's hilarious to me is like, well, I think you you should have at least a fourth spell in there. And it's whatever the fuck Peter Pettigrew did to blow up an entire <laughs> city street worth of people. Yeah. Like maybe that one. <laughs> like I don't know what that was. Uh, but now maybe that's not. Maybe it was some sort of practical. Like maybe it's, you know, maybe he... Because they never go into details of exactly yeah. what he did. He just killed, like, 13 people, and maybe he 
made a fire that blew up something. You know what I mean? Like yeah, maybe it wasn't like an actual know. like something that killed them. It was just like he made an explosion that killed them or something. Yeah. Like so that the curse itself wasn't really what the problem. I don't know. But anyways, I, I still I was like, what was that? What was that th- killing 13 <laughs> people with one spell thing? Also, Peter Pettigrew, notoriously like the least talented of all yeah. these people, somehow gets the best of Sirius Black. Who's like the most talented of these? Uh, like, how does he best Sirius Black kill all these people and get away from him? I was I'm like, oh, man, all I'm saying is maybe Sirius Black was is an inside job. Maybe <laughs> calling into question Sirius's story here. I don't know. I'm not sure it all adds up. All right, the movie nailed it. Let's talk about it. Nailed it. I love the night bus. I know we had a few problems. Uh, I, I do actually have here. Don't love the shrunken head, but I think the rest of it's pretty good. Yeah. I think the look of yeah. it's great. I like Stan Shunpike. I think he's kind of perfectly mm-hmm. reminiscent of the Stan from the book and, and Earn with his big glasses, kind mm-hmm. of exactly what I would imagine with the, the old driver of the bus and the look of it the, with the beds and everything. I think pretty much perfect other than, yeah, the shrunken heads is kind of whatever. It's monster book of monsters, adequately creepy and yeah. fun yeah. In, in a dumb way. Uh, the Dementors, I thought, looked perfect. Yes. Kind of to how I would imagine Dementors would look. It's a little disappointing, like you said, that we don't get to see one of them pull their head right. or their... With the uh, face, yeah. Pull their cloak down, because um, that would have been cool. But yeah, yeah uh, but the they, actual look of them. Yeah, is, they are creepy, and I, I like that they don't just look like the typical depiction of death. Yeah, they could very easily just look like the uh, ring wraiths from yeah. Lord of the Rings, and they, they went an extra level with them. Uh, and we talked about it a little bit because they were going to use puppets, but they did a lot of puppet tests with them underwater mm-hmm. and then uh, used that to influence the CGI of them so that they're always kind of like yeah, like floaty and, and, and yeah, looks like they're always in water. <laughs> uh, Lupin is great, I um, think. Yes. Uh, I can't remember the actor's name. Uh, da- uh, David Thelewis. Yeah, something like something that. Something like that. Uh, I think he's brilliant. I think he does a perfect Lupin. Um, mm-hmm. Pretty much spot on. I think he's perfectly sanguine is that the word uh sort of pitiful but also powerful when he needs to be and mm-hmm. um he he plays sick well yeah and looking sickly well but he's also very uh he does a good job with harry and it's very their interactions always feel very real and heartwarming mm-hmm. and it's very fatherly to him and i, I just think he does a, a great job yeah yeah no totally I like that they have the little sign showing that Hogsmeade is down when they first get to Hogwarts. Mm -hmm. And because this, I always had a question about where the hell Hogsmeade was. And I guess we don't really ever get a better answer even in the movie. I just like, because you never hear about it until the third book. And all of a sudden it's like, and they're like, they go there from school. I'm like, so wait, there's a whole magic. The village. The village. I'm like, what village? We've never heard about a village. (laughs) Apparently there's a little magical village. But when you first, in the movie, when they first show up to Hogwarts uh, at the beginning, there's a little like road sign. And it's like, Hogwarts, Hogsmeade. (laughs) And it's like got little arrow pointing off to the other way. I was like, ah, that's fun. Um, um, I like Buckbeak. Yeah, no, Buckbeak's perfect. It looks great. Yeah. Uh, he's not, steely gray, like he's described, and he, yeah, he looks really cool. And also, I think he might be a little too handsome, though, or a little too, because <laughs> in, bo- in, the, in the book, Her- Hergrid's like, isn't, isn't he beautiful or something like that? And they're all like, eh. But in the movie, I'm like, yeah, it just looks like a yeah, beautiful horse-like horse bird, bird thing. Bird like, thing. it's real, yeah. So he's a handsome boy. Yeah. Uh, Trelawney. Yeah. And her little room, specifically yeah. her lair, uh, is kind of exactly <laughs> what I always imagined with the smoke-filled uh, fortune teller's lair. I, I, and, and what's her? I can't remember that actress's name. She's in tons of stuff. Uh, 
who um, plays Trelawney, but it's um yeah, she's got a name that I can never remember. No, it's Emma something. Emma Emma, Emma, Emma Thompson. Thompson, and I get that's what it is. It's her name is I get it confused with like a million. There's Emma Emma Stone, Emma Watson, yeah. Emma Thompson. I'm like ah, yeah, <laughs> but yeah, she's I thought she did a great job, mm-hmm. uh, and I really like again I mentioned it before, but they capture it a little bit in the movie is is Hermione's just complete lack of chill for divination and just how she, she's just like this is fucking dumb I'm like i don't know i was i was just like how how mean she was aside from a couple small things i really i like the bogart scene yeah i have that on yeah. here too the bogart scene other than I, I don't love the moon change the moon thing and then the other thing that bothers me is that the fucking clown is scarier than the than snake. The snake? <laughs> so like, what the fuck, Parvati? Like what? <laughs> yeah, Parvati or however it's you pronounce so it. So much scarier. It's way scarier. I was like, eh, it's not funnier, but I do like that they changed Ron to put roller skates yes. on it because I thought that was. Um, it's more visually interesting, but also like funnier than in the book. He just takes all of its legs off, so yeah. it rolls around. I'm that's, like, ah, that's still so terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want a big spider like thorax rolling at me. Like that's not funny. Like I don't want to. I'm just picturing like the Indiana Jones and the, the boulder rolling. He's a giant spider body. No, thank you. Put it on roller skates. That's way better. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and I really like the opening shot of that scene. It's really yes, cool where, where it's the mirror the shot mirror. and they come through the mirror and then spins around. There's some really, really cool uh, cinematography in this movie and re- like really mm-hmm. interesting camera moves. He does a lot of like pulling up and spinning and sort of stuff mm-hmm. that's really neat. And I like a lot of the lots of shots where the camera is rotating and, uh, and it's sort of very reflective of uh, the clock and all the gears. And mm-hmm. the camera moves in a similar way a lot where it rotates. And I think that kind of ties into the themes of the time and all that. I, that was really interesting. A really well shot movie. Uh, I like that they have the Great Hall sleepover. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little thing, but I, that they all just camp out in the Great Hall after the Black tries to break into the Gryffindor common room. Marauder's Map is awesome. Yes, I love the Marauder's it looks Map. It's so cool. Uh, they, pretty much the best way I could imagine doing, because it's a very complicated thing to try to visualize, mm-hmm. I feel like, mm-hmm. uh, where you can see all these people walking and names. And I, I like that they add all these extra, because Hogwarts is such a crazy layout, I like that it looks like the map has, like, weird little fold-out parts that, like, yeah. it's not just, like, a one big square. Yeah. It's, like, you gotta fold it a million different ways and, like, <laughs> origami it open to, like, get, you know, it, it just makes sense for me with a place as weird and complicated as Hogwarts that the map would be, like, really, mm-hmm. really weird. Little thing, they got Hagrid wearing his suit that's mentioned for the... <laughs> the horrible For the trial, hairy the hairy suit. brown suit with the Ugh. orange and yellow tie is mentioned specifically. And I, yeah. and I always wondered, like... Is that a thing for wizards? Hairy suits? Or is that just a thing for Hagrid? What It seems if, like it's just a Hagrid thing. I know, but it's just like, why didn't nobody be like, hey, what are you, what are what are you, you doing? <laughs> why are you wearing a hairy suit? That's real weird. With a clown tie. Yeah, but they, I love that they had that. It's a little thing like... Like, it's funny because they, they have that little detail, but like, or in the first or the second one with, uh, mm-hmm. they didn't have the lime green bowler for Cornelius yeah. Fudge. And it was like, you know, those little yeah. things or sometimes they have them and sometimes they don't. I think the Shrieking Shrek looks awesome. And the way the Shrieking Shrek, <laughs> Shrieking Shack, uh, and the way it moves. I actually remember reading or seeing a thing about how they built it. The set actually is 
moving. Like, oh, you really? see it in the background, like when they're standing there, like the walls are yeah. moving. Uh, and they built like a big set where the, the walls shifted. So it just like adds mm-hmm. to the old creaky, weird nature of it. And the last thing I had, I don't know if you have anything else. I have one more thing. Okay. Uh, the casting of Peter Pettigrew. Oh, yeah. Because, uh, man, that guy gets so much mileage out of being unbelievably hideous. Yep. And looking like a rat. Yeah. <laughs> he very much uh, has the the features, he's, the he's human-like features the of, uh, of a rat man. So, <laughs> good for him. <laughs> but yeah, he, he the casting for him was, was pretty yeah. spot on. I've seen that guy in a few other things, but yeah, he... He nails the ratty, ratty look. <laughs> uh, my last one was uh, they nailed the obtuse and infuriating nature of the Shrieking Shack conversation. Where, <laughs> and it's maybe the first time you read it, it's not as annoying. But in, and we were joking about it when we were watching it this time, but there's so much where it's, they take so long, and it's mm-hmm. even worse in the book, mm-hmm. to get to the meat of the conversation and to explain anything. Yeah. Where they're just back and forth like, just like, misunderstanding each yeah. like and not sure what's going on and making vague veiled like cryptic and I'm, and I'm like why are you being cryptic right yeah. now just say what you need to say yeah and it's like there's a line in the movie where Sirius is like Harry says something about killing me and and Sirius I don't remember what he says but he says He's, something Hermione says uh, oh. you'll, you'll have to kill me or you'll, you'll have, have to kill, kill us. us if you want to kill Harry and he and, and he just says only one will die tonight why would you be cryptic in that moment? <laughs> Come on! <laughs> now, you can kind of explain it away that he's been in Azkaban. He's a little off. Yeah. He's not exactly... He hasn't exactly been uh, brushing up on his conversational skills in the last 12 years. <laughs> but yeah, it's a little like, come on, man. <laughs> come on, let's not make weird, cryptic, veiled threats when you're yeah. just trying to explain... Just like, no, actually, I just want the rat because... I just want the rat. The rat is the Peter rat Pettigrew. The rat is Peter Pettigrew, He's and I just want to kill... Just I actually no, I don't care about killing you. No, I don't, don't want to kill any of you. I really, Actually, Harry, it's really good to see you again. Me and my dad, it's all a misunderstanding. <laughs> like, just go on and say it. <laughs> but no, we got to sit here and make cryptic fucking back and forth for 10 minutes or where we still can't <laughs> decide if you're actually going to kill him or not or what's going on. And Yeah, but yeah, I thought that was... It's like, yeah, they nailed that. Uh, they nailed my uh, annoyance with the book in that regard. I'm yeah. just like, get... No, just say what you need to say. <laughs> say it. <laughs> just explain yourself. I had a few more things that didn't really fit into a category that I just wanted to talk about. Yeah, I've got... Yeah, I have a couple things. We already touched on a yeah, few Yeah, we probably touched mine. on some of mine, too. Um, one thing I noticed that I don't think I... I, I didn't remember this. Why does Tom, who works at the Leaky Cauldron, oh, yeah. look like fucking Igor? Yeah, they. I don't What's remember. That I didn't about? remember that. They decided to. So Tom is mentioned in the book, and he is yeah. the yeah the the head the guy who owns the he's, Leaky yeah, Cauldron. Yeah, he's the innkeep. He's the in, yeah. That's sorry. That's the word I was looking for. The innkeep at the Leaky Cauldron. But they decided in the movie to make him yeah uh, the hunchbacked uh, yeah. assistant like uh, uh, like where he's like very awkward and like. Weird, it's so extreme. weird. And, yeah, it was a very interesting choice because in the book he's just He's a just guy. like an old man. He's just like an old man, yeah. And they, like, they say that he doesn't have any teeth, yeah. but that's like the only description. Because he's just an old man in Britain. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah, they, they're like, oh, let's make him, yeah, because he's like, he's like 
grabs Harry and like drags yeah. him around, and it's it's interesting. I didn't hate it, but it was like that's not ex- okay, fine, whatever. Sure. Yeah, like it's just like like why? Uh, just like, to make it more was... interesting, like a quirky character. <sighs> I, I did like some of the stuff in the Leaky Cauldron, like when the the housekeeping lady and like little things like that. Mm-hmm. I thought were fun. Yeah, where the housekeeping lady gets like screamed at by a monster or whatever. Who is who is that that kid the dire kid who exists? He's only in this movie. There's so there's this character in this movie. People, we talk about this. I forgot about this kid. He's in the trailer. Look at Grim, taking form of a giant spectral dog. It's among the darkest omens in our world. It's an omen of death. Uh huh. Because he has two lines in the movie, and they're both just like super dramatic. Like so they have like really dramatic like exposition exposition lines. lines, and he's never in any of the. I mean, maybe he's in the movies in the future, but he's not yeah. a named character from the book. I don't think. I don't know who he would uh, correspond to, but he's a Gryffindor. Yeah, but he also appears he's to be a Gryffindor in their age, which that's not wouldn't make any sense if he's a Gryffindor in their year. Well, yeah, there's their only year. five of them, and we know who they all are. It's Seamus Dean. And he's he would not Dean. Be in the the dormitory. With yeah, them. that's what I mean. He'd be in the dormitory with them, but so he's not. Who is this? Kid? So anyway, so this kid. But he, in the movie, all he does, he has two lines. He in the in uh in Professor Trelawney's room, they're like, "What's the grim?" And this kid's just like, "The grim is the sign of death." <laughs> and I'm like, "What? Who are you?" <laughs> like all the students are like, "Who's this guy? Who's this kid?" But it, like he explains what the grim is. Yeah. Like in a very dramatic way. And then he has a later in the movie, he has another line. And I can't remember what, where it's just, there's, there is like, he just uh, drops line of exposition about like Sirius Black or something. Yeah. Where he's just like, yeah, (laughs) he could be here to kill you, Harry. I'm like, what? (laughs) Who are you? Who are you? (laughs) (laughs) And and again, I don't think he's ever in any of the other movies. I don't think, I don't think. And he's definitely not in the first two. I guess we'll see if he's in the upcoming ones. And most of the characters in the movies, even if we don't hear their names ever, do correspond to like named characters in the book. Like Parvati, who you mentioned earlier, uh, the the Patil twins are in them and they show up more in like the later ones. Um, And... Uh, yeah, and like yeah. Tim Thomas and Shane, obviously all the people in Harry's year and that sort of thing. And like, but even like some of the minor like Slytherin characters, like Marcus Flint, we see at times, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, eventually we see Blaze Zabini or whatever his name is. Uh, we saw um, Millicent Bolstrode yeah. in this one. Yeah, I think and that's supposed or, to be her. Or yeah, because Pansy Parkinson, I or think, Pansy also Parkinson, shows yeah. up. But, could that could have been yeah. her? But anyway, know. so there's all these like minor characters who are like you know in super minor and not really important, but they just kind of yeah. flesh out the. The students in the school. But yeah, this kid, not any of those, and mm. we don't know who we, he is. We don't. Mystery. Could be anyone. Yeah. Oh, you know what? I realized they, they don't have Cho Chang in this. Yeah, no, they Cho don't. Cho Chang is in the book. She's So Cho Chang, the eventual love interest of Harry, or uh, yeah. first love interest of Harry, she shows up, and I forgot she plays Seeker. Mm-hmm. She's the Seeker for Ravenclaw in, uh, in this yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. And he thinks she's real cute. She's like, oh, she's so pretty. <laughs> and now I'm going to go beat her at Quidditch. Oh, I love, too, in, in, and this is a weird thing, in uh, Professor Trelawney in Divination on the first day basically says, some of you will have a natural ability for this. If you don't, I can't do anything for you. So, so should we leave? Like, <laughs> what kind of class is that? Where literally on the first day you show up to the class and the teacher goes, all right, like 10% of you will be able to do this. The rest of you, I don't even know why you're here. Basically, is what, like, you yeah. might as well not be here. Like, it, 
mean, I guess you have to go to find out if you're in that 10%. Yeah, it's just like such a useless class. It's like, all right, well, cool. In the book, it makes zero sense. So in the, we only get one Quidditch match in the movie. In the book, mm-hmm. the first Quidditch match is supposed to be, uh, it ends up being against Hufflepuff in mm-hmm. the movie, in the book. It was supposed to be against Ravenclaw, or uh, Slytherin. Yeah. Slytherin ends up getting their its match rescheduled against Gryffindor to later in the year mm-hmm. because Malfoy's arm was injured. Yeah. That's bullshit. That, yeah. We have so many times, they lost, uh, <laughs> Gryffindor lost the cup the first year. Or the second year, they lost their third game because they had to play without Harry. And because Harry was in the hospital wing. And like, what? So who, how do you decide if you have to play or if you get to reschedule? Like, it makes no sense. Maybe they couldn't reschedule because it was so close to the end of the school year. Yeah, maybe. Maybe that's the answer. But I was just like, they don't, they don't, you would have a backup. You don't, if one of your guys gets hurt, you don't reschedule the game. You just get another person or you deal with it. Like, that's not how that works. Ugh, I I was really Um, annoying. In the uh, time travel part, when, um, well, kind of in both, when Hermione is watching herself from the forest and she cracks the tree branch or whatever yeah. and then the other Hermione the first Hermione turns Looks, around yeah. and she's like I thought I saw never mind yeah. I like the implication that Hermione saw herself but didn't and chooses to dismiss it yeah. because she knows she has the time turner yeah oh that would be interesting I didn't take it that way yeah that but yeah no that would <laughs> she's like That'll no, make sense you know eventually. What? You know what? I'm just not even gonna. <laughs> That'll I'll make find sense in like an hour. It's been a weird year. <laughs> Let me just tell you, it's been a weird year. <laughs> also, I just the whole time turner thing is is a whole bag of worms on its own. Yeah. Of just, I think I've heard interviews that uh, I, I'm, I'm speaking way out of turn and might just be making this up, but I thought I heard. J.K. Rowling say like I wish I hadn't introduced the time turner as a thing because she kind of just gets rid of it after like yeah. it's such a, a powerful wild thing mm-hmm. that we can literally turn back time uh, and then we never use it again or do anything with yeah. it for the rest of the no books. It, it never comes up again no and I think it's because J.K. Rowling was like that's it's too complicated and it's mm-hmm. like it gets too weird and like yeah it does it does come up. In Harry Potter and Cursed Child. Oh, can we not? I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty... Unless I'm misremembering. I'm pretty... Because there's time travel in that. Yeah. It's a nightmare. And they retcon everything and ruin the whole everything. Well, I mean, that's that's the thing. That's why you can't have something like that. Because it's an automatic retcon yeah. for anything that yeah. happens. Yeah. And I mean, I would have to assume that there's some kind of limit on how far you can go back. Yeah. But... Yeah, I don't know. Because if three turns takes you back, hours. like, three hours, yeah. then... You have to turn it so many times. <laughs> yep. Uh, it's, it's silly. It's, yeah. yeah. It's a good idea like, to abandon it. Yeah. And then, like, I, I mean, maybe we just don't know more about it, but, like, it seems like all you can do is live out that time. Yeah. Like, you have to just wait and yeah. go through it again. Mm-hmm. So, like... I don't know. I don't remember... <laughs> They, some of that, I think, gets addressed in Cursed Child, oh, but it's God. been a long time, and I blocked it out of my memory as soon as I finished reading it. So, <laughs> um, uh, They cut out Ron getting his leg broke. Yeah. Which makes sense, because that was uh, <laughs> horrifying. <laughs> like, his leg snaps <laughs> when he's getting drugged into the tree. 
They end up just being in the, the wound from the dog, which, yeah. That's yeah, fine. that's... Uh, there's a moment in the uh, second Quidditch match where before the match, Harry says he put his wand in his t-shirt mm-hmm. under his robes, and I'm like... But where? Where? Do, do wizard <laughs> shirts have wand pockets? <laughs> oh my god, I hope so. I'm I'm wondering, because I remember reading that and going, and I remember reading that as a kid. I had a very vivid moment rereading this. There, I was like, I remember reading that as a kid and going... But where in your t-shirt? <laughs> what? T-shirts don't... It's a wand... What? Like, where do you put a wand in a t-shirt? It doesn't make any sense. And so, yeah, maybe it has, like, a wand pocket or something. Yeah, I don't maybe. know. And I also think it's interesting that he uh, he says he's going to kill... He's going to kill Sirius Black in the Shrieking Shack at one point. Mm-hmm. He pulls out a wand. He's, like, going to do it. And they kind of cut this from the movie. I don't, I don't remember the exact... Like, there's a moment where he's, like, going to do it, and then he mm-hmm. ends up... Deciding not to, and I'm like, "What were you gonna do, Harry? Yeah, right. He what are you gonna know do? How, to kill anyone how are you yet? gonna kill him with your wand? What are you gonna do there? <laughs> you know, like eight spells. Are you gonna expel Yarmus him to death? Like what? <laughs> what are you gonna do? You don't know. We we establish in the next book that you. That's when you learn about how to kill people with a wand. Right. Like, you know, so weird. I was like, all right, okay. <laughs> I'm not sure what your thing, what your what your thought was gonna happen, but. <laughs> Also, thought it was interesting that there's only been seven Animagi in a century. Yeah, we learn right? in the book that seems. I feel like I mean they they do say that like it's hard, it's hard yeah, and not a lot of people are capable. But that still of doing seems really it. low because I feel like that would be super useful. And yeah, cool. it would be. I, I feel like that would be something that a lot of people would want to do just for fun. Yeah, if and and else. maybe you know maybe they a lot of people do try to do it and they can't. Yeah, maybe that's yeah, the maybe. case. But yeah, because they said there's only seven registered in a century, and McGonagall's is the last one, yeah, most recent one yeah. who's become an animagus. And I was like, so it's that hard and that rare. But three motherfucking kids learned how to do it in one school class, like in one. Or, yeah. oh, they said it took them five years to learn how to do it, but because uh, they said it wasn't until their fifth year that they figured out how to do it. But still, but still, I was, I was just like three of kids all figured out how to do it, and, and somehow there's only seven. There's, I feel like there's a lot of unregulated animagi out there running around. <laughs> well, we do find out about at least one more oh, unregistered, yeah. uh, Rita Skeeter. Oh, yeah, because she's not registered. Yeah. yeah, that's right. She turned into a bug. But uh, but I feel like, yeah, I'm like, if if I were a wizard or a witch yeah. and I found out about that, I'd be it's like, fucking, yeah. okay, goals. I'm learning to turn that's into a what hawk I'm gonna or do. something. I'm learning to turn into a, a bird of prey that I can fly around and, yeah. Are you kidding me? It'd be amazing. Be so cool. Yeah, it's weird. I was like, whatever. Seven. All right, you guys need to up your imagination game. Why? Are we, why are you all not animals? <laughs> I don't understand. Uh, that's all I got for general notes. Um, I just had one more note. This movie has probably my favorite end credits. Oh yeah, because it's the Marauders map. Yeah, yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, it's just like the names up on the Marauders map and the footprints everywhere. Yeah, really neat. Let's do it. It's the final verdict now uh, are you ready for your sentence sentence but there must be a verdict first sentence first verdict afterwards it's the book yeah the book's better it's really definitely the book's better uh this movie's good i really actually uh again on rewatching it i think it's probably the best of the first three films so far uh i might prefer i actually I think currently, if I had to rate it, I think I would put this as my top now. I like yeah. the changes they made. I think they made a lot of smart changes. There's some really glaring problems with, like I said, not explaining 
Mooney and Wormtail mm-hmm. and Pathfinder Prongs and stuff. But that not explaining that isn't necessarily a problem for me as a book reader because I know. You know what I mean? It's, it's not like a plot hole in the sense of like it doesn't add up because it's just they didn't explain it to people who have no idea. Like yeah. people would just be like, what? I don't, okay. Um, but for me, it didn't matter. I knew what it was uh, and who they were and all that sort of stuff. So I, I, I think they made a lot of smart changes. I really like the visual style of it. I like the way it's shot. I like the uh, the settings and the the, the set decoration and, and sort of the darker, more lived in version of Hogwarts that we see. Yeah. I really enjoyed. I I thought it was really good. But still, the book this is it's a great book. And uh, uh, this is my favorite book. Really? Yeah. It's not my favorite, but it's close. It's up there. I like this one a lot. I like. I really and I don't know why. I really like five. I think I like the meandery, like, it's not, a, it feels less focused potentially than, mm-hmm. I, it's been a long time since I read it, but I feel like I like sort of the mystery of five. I think also I like one of those later ones, like with five and six, I liked that we, there the story was in motion and we were really getting somewhere, but there was mm-hmm. also all these cliffhangers and that was around the time mm-hmm. where the internet was, I was really getting in big on the internet and like reading fan theories and stuff. So like, <laughs> I really like sort of all the weird, like little mysteries that spawned from yeah. those ones when we start getting into the Department of Mysteries and all that kind of stuff. I thought yeah. it was really interesting. Um, so I really like, I remember really liking those. We'll see when we get up there. And I also like four. I really I like the Triwizard Tournament. I think it's just cool and fun. But yeah, they're they're all good. This is the better than the first two books, I think. I think it's the best of the first three. For yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, the book is better. Uh, spoilers, they're all going to be better. But that's not why you're here. You're here to hear us talk about it <laughs> and what we liked and what we didn't like. That's going to do it for the Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban episode of This Film is Lit. As always, please go rate and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, or anywhere else you download our podcast. Check us out on all the social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Goodreads. We have our subreddit. Uh, I believe that's everything. Until next time, guys, gals, non-binary, and everybody else, keep reading books, keep watching movies, and keep being awesome.